Good morning, Mountain Park Church. How are we doing? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, how are you doing this morning? Now, I just spoke at the first service, and the rumor is that the second service is the better looking crowd. Well, there's only like half of you that agree with that. I heard this is the crowd that kind of cheers and jumps in and hollows. And I know we got Super Bowl next week, and I'm, I'm really depressed about that because I'm a Chiefs and 49ers fan. I've, I've ministered in both cities, and so those, they both lost. I'm like, come on, Lord, couldn't just one win? Uh, but it's so good to be with you. My name is Charlton, and uh, I'm a guest speaker this morning, and uh, it's an honor to be with you. And I want to welcome those that are joining us today online, and you're part of the family, whatever city, state you're in. So glad that you have logged in for church today. Now, you'll notice that there's this little thing I have called an accent. It's true. I tend to forget it, but how many of you can guess, where's my accent from? Online, you can type in the chat, but who wants to shout it out? Where's my accent from? Australia, nope. South Africa, bingo, you won a prize. I just don't know what it is. You won a prize. Yeah, South African. And uh, my wife and I, we immigrated 22 years ago to the U.S., which is for ministry, which is very unique because most people from the U.S. go out, right, to Africa and China. Uh, I came here. I guess, you know, God still has a plan for America. Amen. And he needs to send people. And so, so uh, I, you know, I haven't been able to shake my accent. And uh, so today, here's what you've got to do. You have to lean in to understand me, and as you're leaning in to understand me, I'm just gonna think like you're the most spiritual crowd that I have ever spoken to. And so, uh, so it's gonna be fun, and you can shout, you can holler, you can do whatever, it doesn't offend me, but I am so honored to be here today. Uh, we're gonna be launching a new series. Uh, it's a series in, in your life journal, if you have it, it's on page 38. It's called The Love Letters. And today's title is Dear Corinth. Now, let me tell you something. This is not a series on romance, and it's not a series on, like, writing love letters. Now, I know there's some of you that are like, I just need all the help I can get. I thought you were going to hook me up on this series. No, uh, there is an app for that. I'm serious. I actually went and checked. There are apps that can help you write. Love letters. So there you go. Go check it out. It'll, it'll help you. I know I'm coming up in next month, 22 years. It's actually officially March the 4th, 22 years of, of marriage. She has so much grace. Amen. She is God's gift of grace to me. Amen. So I'm so blessed. But this series that we're going to look at is, is letters or what we call the epistles or some of the epistles that Paul wrote to some of the churches, and Paul wrote quite a bunch of the epistles in the Bible. These are letters that he wrote to different churches, and what he did in these letters is he unpacked, he kind of defined what love really is. Now, as we jump in today, I want to tell you in the Bible, there are four kinds of love. The, the first one is phileo, or what we call brotherly love. Yeah, some of you all know immediately, the city of Philadelphia is named after this love, the city of brotherly love. But with their football team, I don't know how much love is in that city right now. I think only the Cowboys have it worse. I can say that because my 49ers whipped them up, so it's okay. <laughs> then we have storge love, which is the second one, which is the love that a parent has for a child. 
family love. Then we have eros, romantic love, physical attraction, the love between a husband and his wife. And then the last one is agape, which is the love of God. This is the love where God chose to love us. He chose us. This love is pure, it's unconditional, it's sacrificial love. This is the John 3.16 love where God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. It's the love where God looked at the brokenness and the sin and the shame and the guilt of humanity and his love for us compelled him to send his son to die on a cross and pay the price for the sin of humanity because it was a price that you and I could never pay. Only Jesus could pay that price. And if you're here today, maybe for the first time, or you're kind of checking out Mountain Bok Church, or you've logged in today for the first time, and you, you're kind of curious about this Christian thing, this church thing, this Jesus thing, this, there's one thing that I want you to understand and catch today is this, that God loves you. It doesn't matter where you're at and what you're going through or what you've done. It doesn't matter how deep the sin. Let me tell you something. God loves you. The Bible says that we did not choose him. He chose us. And I'm so glad because I could never earn salvation. I could never, I don't deserve this love, this agape love. I could never earn it. God freely gives it to us. This is the love we're gonna talk about as we go in this series, the agape love of God, the, the love that God wants us to receive and then the love that God wants us to go out into the world and share. You see, Jesus said it so great in, in John chapter 13, uh, 13, verse 34 to 35. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, a new commandment I give you. And I can imagine the disciples with their notebooks and their iPads and their iPhones literally saying, okay, bring it on, give it to me. I'm ready to take notes. And, and Jesus says this, love one another. As I have loved you, as I have given you this agape God love, so you must love each other, one another. And then Jesus says, by this, by this love, this agape love that, that, that's flowing from me to you, this agape love of God that you're gonna receive and give out, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus was saying that this love that I've freely given to you, this love that God is giving to you, you are to receive it and to give it to one another. But let's just stop there for a moment because if you open your Bible and you go a couple of chapters further down, you're gonna see the mother of, of James and John coming to Jesus and Jesus, can I talk to you? And she's like, yes, mama, what's up? She says, can you hook me up? What do you, what do you need, mama? Can my boys in heaven sit at your left and your right hand? And Jesus is like, no, that's not for me to decide. And the disciples are kind of listening in, especially James and John are listening. Like, did, did, mama, make, did mama work the magic? Do we get to, you know, did she pull it off with Jesus? And I can picture the other disciples going, hang on, what, what about me? Hey, free for all, buddy. But Jesus says, no, no, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be what? The servant. And he says this, he goes to his disciples and says, you know how the world is gonna know that you're following me? It's by your love for one another. Receiving the love of God, the agape, and then loving the world with the agape love 
of God. By this, Jesus said, everyone, everyone in our community, everyone at our workplace, everybody at our gym, at our favorite coffee shop, our favorite restaurant, everybody will know that we are his followers by what? By the way we love Today, our key passage that we're going to jump into is found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's a chapter in the Bible that's known as the chapter of love, and so if you have your Bibles, you can open it up there or, or follow on the screens, and, and Paul begins to write, and he says if I, in verse 1, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Basically, Paul says, it's just a lot of noise you're making. And verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You see, Paul is, Paul is writing here and over and over he says, but do not have love. Why would Paul say that three times? But do not have love. You, you just, if you don't have love, you're making a noise. If you, if you don't have love, guess what? You're nothing. If you, if you don't have love, you don't gain anything. Why would he say that in this letter to the church in Corinth? Because Paul is, the, is the, the, the planter of the church in Corinth. He's the, the father figure of the church. And he, he planted this church and raised up the leaders and mentored them. And then he moved on to Ephesus. And he begins to hear that this young church is, is missing the bullseye of God's calling. It's missing the mark. And he begins to write to them and he says, listen, guys, the spiritual maturity is it's not found in your spiritual gifts. It's not found in your ministry. It's not even found in your generosity. It's not even found in the way you, in, in your serving. If you take your notes today, spiritual maturity is found in the way you love. I'm not saying that spiritual gifts aren't important and your, your ministry is not important and your generosity is not important. All those things are good. But if the motive behind them is not love, you're missing the bullseye. And so Paul begins to paint a picture. He says, well, let me unpack this for you today. Let me paint a picture. Let me, let me tell you what love looks like. And he gives us today, as we go into verse four, he gives us 15 character traits. He says, love is patient. Not about you, but I want to do a timeout right there. Can we just stop the bus, Paul? Why did you put that first? Like, why could that not be number 15? I mean, how many of you like me? You're just like, oh Lord, I, I just need me some patience. I've been married 22 years and we decided to wait to have a child and we now have a four-year-old who actually uh, in a couple of weeks is gonna turn five. She lets me know all the time. And let me tell you something. She is the way that God is working patience in my life. I mean, I was just very comfortable and happy in, in how, I mean, Cindy and I, the way things flow. I mean, we just enjoyed going to restaurants at 11 and not worrying about childcare and, you know, not worrying about men. You know, all, we working in our salary and our income. It's like, okay, yes, this is God's, this is ours, and this is Shay's. <laughs> I mean, patience. But you know what Paul is saying? 
that if you really want to love people, sometimes you have to be patient with them. And he continues and he says, love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not, uh, it, it does not dishonor others. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. Love doesn't put self first. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Don't elbow your spouse right now. And notice I'm not even looking up. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it's optimistic, it, it always perseveres. Now let me ask you this morning, if these 15 character traits were on a test, and you had to take that test, what would you score? Would you get 15 out of 15? Anybody here to, I'd get 15 out of 15 right now. Anybody? Am I the only one? Just kidding, far from it, I need Jesus, just like you. But you know what Paul is saying, what he's trying to teach us in this passage, is that true love is love of character. True love is love of character. Now you might be saying, Charlton, what is character? What is character? Character is your heart. Character's who you really are. Your heart is not feelings. Feelings are emotions. Your heart your, is your character, and your character is who you really are. Let me put it this way. Who do you talk to the most every day? You know, somebody's voice saying, God, Jesus. No, yourself. You're talking to your heart. You're talking to your character. You talk to yourself the most. What do I believe? What do I think? What am I gonna choose? You're wrestling with things. You're talking to yourself. That's the character. And Paul says that God wants us to love from our character, from who we are in the inside. That is true, true love. Let me, let me ask you this morning, when it comes to loving people, when it comes to loving people, are you a thermometer? Are you a Honeywell Home thermostat? Come on, online, you can put in the chat. Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Turn to your neighbor right now and ask them, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Now, some of you are scratching your head. Some of you are staring at me going, give me the scriptural reference for this illustration. Where do I find that in the Bible? The thermometer wasn't even invented. What are you talking about? Let me tell you, what does a thermometer do? A thermometer reads the temperature pretty obvious. But you know that a thermometer, it reads the temperature, it's dictated to, it responds to, it's influenced by the environment. A thermostat's a little different. A thermostat also reads temperature. But you know what a thermostat does? It's, it's not dictated to it doesn't respond to, it's not influenced by the environment. The thermostat changes the temperature based on the will or the desire of the owner. The th a thermostat does not go up and down, a thermometer does. Okay, now, now I'm starting to see a few of you going, ah. God wants me to be a thermostat when it comes to loving people and not a thermometer. Well done, grasshopper. 
True love is love of character. When it comes to loving people, God wants me to take the agape setting, the love of God setting, and to go into environments and change the temperature. And now some of you are looking at me and saying, okay, Charlton, some people, some people are difficult to love. Some people are needy. And the more I pray for the Lord to just get them out of my life, the more they want and the more they come. I just don't know what to do. I've been to every class on deliverance. I'm just trying to get free of them. I mean, I changed services and there they are. It's like they just knew. I mean, just something, people are selfish. They're messy. I mean, when I come to Mountain Park Church, let me tell you something, I come here on Sunday, I am a thermostat for Jesus, baby. I mean, I'm like a fire hose on Sunday here. I'm just like the love of God, the agape everywhere, high five you, elbow you, knuckles you. You know, I've got a special honk when I get out of here, like, a, you know, Jesus loves you honk. It is awesome. But when I get on Monday onto the 202 or the 10, I'm telling you something, man, the devil knows I'm there. He knows I'm coming because the devil always cuts me off in the traffic. And I tell you something, man, that, that thermostat joy, that thermostat anointing, it's just gone and I become a thermometer. And I'm telling you, sometimes even when I get to work with my boss, you need to meet my boss. I'm telling you something, thermostat's gone and, and the, the, the temperature just rises and it just wants to break through the glass. I mean, come on, people. I mean, if everybody was like me, it'd be so easy to love. Let's be real. Some people are difficult to love. And may you never forget that you were once too. But yet Jesus chose you. He chose you. He gave his life for you. God chose you when you were not at your best. So how do we grow? How do we grow in our love for for difficult people. How do we grow in our love for people that, that are against church, that hate church? How do, we, how do we grow in our love today? We need to, to grow in love. We need to catch this. To grow in love, we need to deepen our character. To grow in love, we need to deepen our character. As, as our character goes deep into the things of God, our love goes wide. We said, how do, how do I do that? How do I deepen my character? I wanna give you two things today if you're taking notes. Number one, invite Jesus to shape your character. Invite Jesus to shape your heart. You see, Christianity only begins when you invite Jesus into your life. You see, when, us, when I understand what Jesus did for me in the cross, that he paid my price for my sins, and, and Romans 6.23 says the penalty or the wages of sin is death. The word death there means eternal separation from God, that because of my sin, God didn't sin, I sinned, I missed God's mark, and because of my sin nature, the penalty of that is, I I, get, I don't spend eternity in heaven. I, I miss the mark because of my sin. It's not, God doesn't send people to hell. It's, it's sin that condemns people. But the good news is today in Romans 6.23, the, the penalty of sin might be death, separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel, that God didn't just see my shame. He said, I'm gonna help you and forgive you. And, and that's the good news today, that God so loved us. 
But that's the beginning point. That's Jesus being my Savior. And now Jesus says, let me be your shepherd. Let me be your Lord. And what does that mean? Let me come into your heart and begin to shape it. You see, if we take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and Jesus is what? Jesus is love. You all agree Jesus is love? Okay, so let's take love in our passage in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4 and let's put Jesus where it says love. And Jesus is patient. How many of you are glad that Jesus is patient? Amen. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. I love this one. Jesus keeps no records of wrongs. How many of you are glad this morning that he didn't just come to deal with your sin and, and the things you saw? He came to remove them from your life. And that's why Romans 8 says, now there is no condemnation for those who are who in Christ Jesus. God has set me free from my sin and my shame and my guilt and I am free. Who the sun sets free, the Bible said, is free indeed. And so this is kind of funny, but when I go to God and say, Lord, you know, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for what I did when I was 13. I did such a bad thing. If I'm a Christian, you know what Jesus is saying? I don't know what you're talking about. No, but this is bugging me. I don't know what you're talking about. Why? Because I paid the price and I have removed that from you and I've made you what? A new creation. But now he says, I've got to change you. See, as I read this about Jesus, that he he doesn't hold these records. He does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Jesus always protects. He always trusts. I like that. When it's trust, he's he's, he's trusting that the will of God's gonna happen, that you're gonna invite God in. He, he, He doesn't leave you or forsake you. He always hopes. He always perseveres. See, Jesus is 15 for 15 when it comes to the test. See, you and I, We'll never be perfect. The good news is God never asked us to. He asked us to follow the perfect one. And his name is Jesus. So Jesus, come and shape my heart. Come on, come and shape my character. Maybe, maybe Christianity is less about doing and more about becoming. Maybe Christianity is more about becoming like Jesus and and less about business. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that doing things, because the Bible says faith without works is it. I'm not saying that you you mustn't be serving and find a place and find your gift in. I'm saying all that is important. But if if all you're doing is in, in your doing, you're not becoming more like Jesus, you're missing the mark. You see, at the end of my life, people say, Pastor Charlton, what do you you want people to say at the end when you're done and life's about a vapor and you're going to heaven? What do you want people to say? I simply want people to say one sentence. I saw Jesus' love in him. I saw Jesus' love in him. That is it. Don't need anything else. I saw Jesus' love in him. But to get there, I need Jesus to shape my heart. Well, you know what's great here at Mountain Park Church? You've got some great tools to help you with that. Number one, you got the journal. See, the journal is a way for you to, to get into the Bible, to study the Bible. You know, Hebrews uh, chapter four, verse 12 says, the word of God is, is living and powerful 
and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. Listen to this part. And it is a discerner. In other words, it's a, it's a reader of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, when I, when I open up the Bible and I'm doing my journal, it, it's not Charlton reading the Bible. It's the Bible reading Charlton. It's like I'm opening up a mirror and God's beginning to show me where I'm at and he's beginning to show me the things that he wants to sharpen and change and the, the attitudes and the behaviors and the opinions and the, and the way I treat people. He's beginning to show the character, the heart, the, who I really am and he's beginning to say, come on, let's come to the place of change and invite me to, to change your heart, invite me to soften your heart, invite me to change your attitude or change your speech or, or change your reaction. You see, that's what Jesus does. He wants to transform you. He's not just done when you say, Jesus, forgive me on my sins. He wants to make you more like him. And the word is one of the greatest tools that, you, that we have. You see, every day you look in the mirror, right? Hope you did today. Because <laughs> why? You want to look good. You want to look good. If you really want to look good, then I want to look into the mirror of his word. See, God changed my heart. The second, uh, second area that I love Mount Park Church that you have is you have, an, and Pastor Don spoke about this two weeks ago. It's such a great message on witness. You've got good godly people in this church to walk with you. Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 27 verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens the other. What does that mean? It means you need people in your life to make you better. You know, if you've watched the TV show where they make the swords, the metal shows, I, my wife loves those documentaries. And it's interesting when I watch them, when the iron hits the iron, guess what happens? Yeah, the sparks. You see, maybe in life, it's, it's not really about people that just pat you on the back, back and tell you how awesome and how good you are. Maybe, maybe you need some friends in, the, in your life that'll give you a swift kick in the pants. You need some friends that will say truth in love to you, that say, listen, I love you, but there's some attitudes and behaviors in your life that don't represent Jesus, that don't represent the love of God, and so you need to change. And let me tell you something, I have invited some of those friends in my life, and let me tell you something, this time I'm like, I'm, a, I'm just doing so great, I'm Jesus, I'm a thermostat for Jesus, I love it. And then they say, Charlton, let me show you some of your blind spots. And let me tell you something, I don't enjoy it. I'm like, I'm gonna be a thermometer right now. I'm just gonna tell you, how dare you? Don't you know? And who do you think you are? But that's what I wanna do. My flesh wants to be a, a thermometer, but I know, you know what they're doing? These people in my life are making me like a thermostat. They're teaching me to love, no matter what's going on in the world, to respond with the love of God. You need, who, who is sharpening your life? Who's sharpening you and helping you to be more like Jesus? You know, if you don't have anybody shopping you and you're doing life by your own, my friend, let me tell you something today. Isolation is the devil's playground. None of us are perfect. We, when we can step into the light and the love of God and say, listen, man, I, I, got some, I need some help. I need some sharpening. I need some people. You know what? The right people, God will bring the right people into your life that will help you become more like him. So invite, how do I deepen my character? I invite Jesus to shape it. And the second thing, if you're taking notes, number two, guard your heart 
above all else. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, King Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. King Solomon's literally saying, you have to guard your heart. It's not the pastor's job. It's not your connect group leader's job. It's not the marriage ministry's job. It's your job to guard your own heart. And he says, why? He says, because your life flows from your heart. That's why Jesus said, out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So if you're not guarding your heart, things are gonna creep into your heart that are gonna begin to, to change. And so yes, Jesus softening your heart, working on your heart, and then all of a sudden, because you know you have some wrong relationships and influences in your life, Jesus is shaping you, but because you don't guard now what Jesus is doing in you, those influences come back into your life, and all of a sudden there's a tug to go back to the old nature and the old things. And you gotta put guards and filters. You, you know what, some things you just can't watch anymore. Some things you can't listen to. Some people you can't hang around. It doesn't mean that you're not your friend. It's that your best friend is Jesus and he's working on you and you have to guard your heart. There's an old term called giga. Garbage in, garbage out. You gotta guard your heart. In the beginning, I asked you if these 15 character traits were a test. What would you score? You know, and would anybody get 15 out of 15 and no one raised their hand? Because the reality is we all need Jesus to change our hearts. We all need the, the, the potter to change the pot. You know, there's uh, times where God has broken my hearts, encounters I've had. I remember going to, to the Ukraine, to Kiev, a city with the most sewer kids. When I say sewer kids, kids that live underground in sewers in the world. Because of parents committing suicide at a young age and depression, alcohol, kids run. They don't wanna go into the government system because the government system is literally like prison. And so they run and live on the streets and these kids, they, they find glue and, and, and they steal things from hospitals and they, and they sniff the glue. I'd see four-year-olds, eight-year-olds in the sewers sniffing glue and it just wrecked my heart. And then I've, I went to Uganda and got to preach to pastors and I got to meet at this one, uh, one woman's meeting. I got to meet just all these incredible women who went through the genocide, whose husbands were executed in front of them and, and who saw limbs cut off and who were raped and abused. And as I listened to them share about, yeah, they are, and they, and they just forgive these people, the love of agape God transformed them and changed them. And they're sharing and they just, they're just the forgiveness. I'm weeping as they're sharing and it just it wrecked my world. And I remember the time I went to India to go minister to the leper colonies in India and I'm sitting with, with lepers who, who don't have limbs and they're talking about how much they love Jesus and I'm just thinking about how cozy and comfortable my life is and, I'm, and God is just wrecking me in that moment. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for those encounters and I challenge you to go out on a missions trip but let me tell you something, the biggest mission field is right in front of us. And I'm praying more and more, God, would you wreck my heart? For the person, the barista that makes my, my, my coffee at Black Rock, my new favorite place. When they, when they dress, 
dress different and they have weird things and tattoos in their hair and they live an alternative lifestyle. God, may I not judge them, but may my heart break for them, God. May my heart break when I go to my grocery store and the person that's ringing or the, the person that's standing here, yes, I self-check, but there's someone watching. May my heart break when I go to my gym and I'm lifting weights and the, the person next to me or, or I go to a parent-teacher's meeting, God, would you break my heart for the mission field in front of me? See, David, King David, the Bible says King David was a man after God's own heart. How would you like that title? Where God literally says, that's my boy right there. Man, he worshiped me. No one has a heart like David. But David was not perfect. David committed adultery. And then he had the husband of the wife that he cheated with executed, basically executed, sent him to the front of the battle where Uriah was gonna, where he died. David wasn't perfect. But in Psalm 51.10, David begins to write, Psalm 51, repentance, he begins to repent to God, saying, God, I'm not perfect. And verse 10 is so powerful. And today as we close, this is the prayer. This is the challenge that I'm gonna put before you today. Psalm 51, verse 10, David says this. He said, God, create in me a pure heart, creating me, some translations say, a clean heart. Would you come and scrub my heart? Would you change my heart? Because my heart is what? My character. Would you change me and make me more like Jesus? And he says, would you put within me a right spirit? Put in me, God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know what he's saying? God, would you put inside of me godly character? Would my character, who I am, yearn to be like you, to be more like you, to walk in obedience, God, to, to love like you love? Would you change me? And today, church, this is the challenge that, I, that I'm putting out before us, that let us not just be thermometers. Let us be thermostats for Jesus. Let us not just be thermostats here on a Sunday, but when we go out and as we leave today and we go to our favorite restaurant or we, whatever we're going to do today, let us be thermostats, fire hoses for Jesus. God, change my heart, change my character, help me to become more like Jesus. As every eye is closed and head is bowed, let's pray today. God, there's no heart surgeon like you. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know the areas we fall short in. You know the times where we're the thermometer, not the thermostat. But God, we love you. As David prayed, God, creating us a clean heart. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Break our heart for our community, for our colleagues, for our friends that do not know you. And God, would you shape in us godly character? Would you change us that we can go out and love this world that is hurting and that is broken? With not our love, but yours. For your love changes, transforms, sets free, heals, and restores. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.